what's up, everybody? How are you doing today? Good to see you guys. Oh, man. Such a good day to be in church, isn't it? Awesome to be here. Welcome. Hey, if this is your first time or maybe you've been checking it out for a couple weeks, so good to have you here. Welcome. Hopefully, you get here early enough to get the donuts because I noticed they got pilfered. So somebody ate like too many. Just raise your hand right now. Who was it? No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Eat as many as you want. We're so excited. Have everybody here today. You know, it's a good day today. I didn't get enough sleep, but I had enough coffee and the Ducks won. So come on, it's a good day. Go Ducks. That's right. We can agree about two things. We love Jesus and the Ducks. Come on, right? I felt bad because one of our guys in the church, Dane, he's a Wisconsin Badger fan, and I don't want to lean on his pain, but they lost at home to an unranked team. But I love you, Dane. I'm sorry. I don't know where he's at, but... He's at home depressed today, so sleeping in. No, I'm kidding. So good to be in church today. Man, I was thinking about during that song, uh, I talked about this at first service as well, but during that last song, the resurrection life of Jesus dwelling on the inside of us. It says in the book of Romans that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. You know, our church is called Joy Church, right? Right? Joy. And how many of you know that joy and happiness are two different things? Happiness depends upon what happens. Happiness comes and goes depending upon your circumstances and what's happening in your external life and how your job is and how, how things are going with your kids. And happiness ebbs and flows, doesn't it? But when you are in Christ, you have joy, irrepressible joy. Come on, that you have that same resurrection life on the inside. And so whatever the circumstances are that are around you, whether they're good or bad, you have the joy of knowing that you belong to God. Come on, and that he has a purpose and a plan for your life and that good things are in store. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get discouraged. I get depressed. Maybe you right now are under this kind of black cloud, this fog. Every day is a gray day, blue day, even though it's been nice and sunny and nice in Eugene, but you're like the rain's coming and you're, you're kind of under that fog. But listen, I want to let you know when you're in Christ, you, you can just say to that fog, get out of here. Come on, that joy that God wants to do in your heart. Jesus, I pray for encouragement today. I pray, God, that your spirit would refresh people. Lord, that we would walk out of this room changed and challenged by your word, yes, but also encouraged and refreshed. God, that we would walk out of here full of your spirit to go and do what you've called us to do on this planet, God, to be who you've called us to be, that we would walk out of here. Lord, I pray for any person that's under depression or discouragement or despair, that that would be broken in the name of Jesus. And that, Lord, your spirit of joy and life, Lord, a spirit of dancing, God, would come into this, this person today. And, Lord, they would be lifted up, God. They begin to look up ahead and say, man, God's got more for me. I'm not going to walk under this cloud, but I'm going to walk in the light that God has for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as you know, we're doing a series about wisdom called No Regrets. And, yes, we know it's spelled wrong. That's the point. All right. But I want to ask you this question today. Have you ever done something in your life that you just immediately regretted? Anybody? All the men in the room should just be on I mean, a daily basis right now. You know, I should have stopped at the half of the bag of Doritos, but I went all the way, you know? Whenever the ducks are like in a close game, I can just demolish a snack aisle at a, at a grocery store. I mean, take it down. Doritos, Tostitos, anything that ends with O that's chip and process, I can eat it. You know what I mean? Frito, right? Celery O, they don't make that, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Something you regretted, right? You've done something that you immediately regretted. I remember one time in life, in my life, not just a life, but my actual life. I was, I was about 18 or 19 years old. I was in Bible college and my friend Aaron Martinez and I, uh, Aaron is the pastor of Joy Grants Pass. 
And uh, he's actually going to be speaking here next week. So I'm doing first strike capability, telling a bad story about him to make him look bad before he can tell a bad one about me <laughs> next Sunday, right? But Aaron and I, we, we grew up together. We're friends. You only have that friend that always gets you to do the wrong thing, like you stir each other up for evil. And now we're both pastors. Go figure. But Aaron and I, uh, we, were, we were selling Christmas tree wreaths for our Bible college because we were under-resourced and they sent us out and said, part of your tuition is you have to fundraise. This wasn't a great deal for us. Anyways, we're selling Christmas tree wreaths down in Medford. And I had this 1987 Chevy Suburban. It was my dad's. And if you know Suburbans, like, I don't know, you're not actually allowed to have those anymore because there's more steel in a Suburban than a battleship. It's literally a tank without a gun. That's basically what a Suburban is. And you could fit like 19 kids and, and a goat. I mean, you could fit anything in there, farm animals, whatever you need to pack in there. Well, we had the back of this Suburban full of Christmas tree wreaths and some other cargo that I didn't know was there. A little foretaste of what's to come. Okay, so we're like selling these Christmas tree wreaths and, and we're bored and we're not having a great time. So we end up, uh, we get to this kind of gravel place, gravel turnaround, and Aaron leans over to me, and he's like, and I'm driving, he goes, hey, man, do a Brody. And I'm like, what's a Brody? <laughs> he goes, that's where you do this thing, you, you slam on the gas, and then you hit the brake, and you turn the wheel, and I'm like, this is a good decision. <laughs> 19 years old, right? How many of you know that you're, you're yeah, we'll just leave it there. So I, I do the Brody, and I'm honestly, for a first-time Brodier, it was actually really good. And so I do it, I hit the gas, I hit the brake, and we do the slide. I mean, I'm sure it felt cooler than it looked. Anybody watching it would be like, I see like a farmer chewing his straw, like, is that all you got? You know, watching us. So I hit it, we slide, and I'm like, whoa, that was mediocre. So we get out to sell Christmas tree wreaths, open the back doors, and lo and behold, what flows out, yes, I say flow, was gallons of peanut oil and this viscous, thick, amber-colored liquid, distinctly peanut-smelling, comes flowing out, literally soaking through the carpet, dripping down over the bumper, hitting the ground, and both of us were just like mouths completely open, hanging open, slack-jawed, amazed at what had happened. Unbeknownst to me, my father had been storing his turkey-frying kit in the back of his Suburban. Now, it is his right to store his turkey frying kit where he wants. This is America. If you have a turkey frying kit, which you should, you can store it where you want. But I didn't know it was back there. And so he had a five-gallon, gigantic, colossal-sized peanut oil thing back there. And when I had done this amazing Brody, it was basically Fast and the Furious, if you're trying to understand what it was like. It broke it open, and it completely spilled out. Now, how many of you know, in that moment, you're like, I need to rethink my life choices. I mean, I was terrified, and I think I spent the rest of the month cleaning it up. Luckily, my dad didn't wring my neck, but I, I destroyed it. Later on, they gave that vehicle to somebody else, and I rode in it, and I could smell the peanut oil. I'm like, I love your car freshener. It's so nice. It's peanuts. Um, we could actually drive that Suburban through and just kill people with peanut allergies through town. I mean, four people died just driving through town. <laughs> Anyways, just kidding. Anybody? Come on. All right. Some people are like, that's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I'm never coming back to this church again. So that was one of my more serious regrets. Uh, you know, it's funny because we've all done stupid stuff like that, right? But let's get real. There's some stuff that goes a little deeper that we regret, isn't there? There's those words that you spoke that you wish you could have taken back immediately. 
There's that relationship that you broke off or ended or, you know, did something to end. There's that decision that, there's that moment in your life where things kind of took a turn and you look back and you go, oh, if I could have gone left when I went right or vice versa, that would have been better. And that, those moments of regret, and how many of you would say regret is not a fun weight or a burden to carry? We, we don't want that. Now, here's the good news. The gospel of Jesus is that, that Jesus died on the cross so that he could take those moments, the broken moments, and bring and turn them into something beautiful. But listen, what if we could, we could avoid the regret moments in our life? You see, for me, yeah, I spilled peanut oil. That's not really a big deal. That's a funny story to tell. But I remember another story. There was a young man that his name was Kevin, and I was about eight years old. I think he was seven or eight years old. And he was called the Miracle Baby. Kevin had been a, a kid that had, was preemie. His mom had been doing drugs, and my dad had gone to the hospital, prayed for him, and it was actually a miracle. They wrote it up in the Medford Mail Tribune, called him the Miracle Baby. Well, six or seven years later, Kevin actually started coming to church with my family. And at that time, you know, I was a pastor's kid, and I don't know if you know this, but PKs tend to grow up under the microscope because everybody thinks the pastor's kids are perfect. Well, newsflash, my kids aren't perfect. They're just like your kids. They're regular kids, right? So lay off, you know what I mean? But you grow up under the microscope. You grow up under the microscope. And I remember I was kind of picked on and, and teased and all that. I wasn't this chiseled slab of hunk of a man that you see before you today. Like a mix between Paul Bunyan and Captain America, you know? It's, um, <laughs> I got picked on. I was teased. And, and, you know, people that were mad at my parents would take it out on me, whatever. So I remember Kevin was coming to church and, and there was a moment where other boys that were, you know, in our group were teasing him. And it was a moment for me to kind of jump in and tease him with them and get out of the microscope, get out of the spotlight and kind of leave that place of pain. And so I kind of joined in. And I remember saying things that were unkind and hurtful to Kevin. And here's what I regret. There was never a moment where he just like exploded and left or cried or anything like that. It was just after a couple of weeks of me not really being the most kind. And it wasn't just me, but it was part of it. He just didn't come back. And I don't know where he's at today. And, I'm, and that makes me really sad. I regret that. Maybe his life is perfect. Maybe it's good. But you know what? In that moment, I was, I, he had a hand of cards dealt to him that was completely different from me. I had a mom and a dad at home. They didn't abuse me. They didn't beat me. They, didn't, they weren't critical. They were supportive. They raised us right. We weren't rich, but we had enough. Come on. I had a good hand of cards dealt to me that I know a lot of you have not had. And let me just tell you right now, God... My destiny was to use my words to heal and to help people and to give hope. And in that moment, I was using them to hurt. When I was 15 years old, I, was, I had an encounter with God where I was deeply convicted about how I was using my words to hurt people. And I look back at that moment and realize I was, I was getting myself out of a place of pain, but I deeply regret that moment because I don't know where that young man is today. I hope his life is good. I hope God has gotten a hold of his heart. I hope he has an opportunity to be in a place like this and know that God loves him and find a community of people that will come around him and support him. But in that moment when he needed a place to belong, I was a person that was rejecting. Come on, I regret that. How many of you would say, yeah, I have some moments like that in my life. I've got some moments where I was hurt, but I hurt others. I've got some moments where I made a decision that would damage me and damage other people. One of the things that we think that's a lie in life is that when we make self-destructive choices, is that it only impacts us, but that's not how it works. As, a, as humanity, we're interwoven and connected. Come on, your choices that you make affect me. My choices affect you, right? We're all citizens of, of this economy, right? We're all citizens of this place. And our destructive things and things that we do, they impact other people. And so we have these regret-filled moments, don't we? Where we look back. 
Now, here's the thing. Yes, there's grace. Yes, God loves us. Yes, you can be forgiven like I've been forgiven for all the things that I've done. But what if we could regret-proof our life? What if God had a better way, a better plan for you and me that we could live our lives in a way that we didn't bump into the rails so much? Come on. How many of you know when you get bumpers on the bowling lane, you're still not supposed to hit the ball into those? Some of you are like, what? (laughs) People that are all bowling like this, you know what I mean? like a divot in the lane. That's not how you're supposed to do it, right? I mean, even I know this. People that are diving down and spread eagling. Like there's a way, just because there are, just because the grace of God is there, just because he can heal you and restore you doesn't mean you need to take your life at 70 miles an hour into the guardrail every weekend. Hello, somebody. God has a better plan for your life. Not because he's sitting there like, you know what, get it together so I'll accept you. No, his grace he loves you just as much when you're, when you're a total screw-up like I am sometimes as you are when you're the perfect church person. God's love never changes, but wisdom, somebody, come on, wisdom, God has for us to help our lives be a lot better, to have success in our relationships. And here's the thing. It's not about intelligence. See, a lot of times we think, oh, it's knowledge, and our culture is about solving everything with knowledge. You know, if you if you knew more about the environment, if you knew more about relationships, if you knew more about raising kids, if you knew more about healthcare, if you knew more about this, then you wouldn't make bad decisions. And that's just not the case because smart people do really dumb stuff all the time. Anybody with me here, right? You can be really smart and still make really dumb decisions because intelligence is not the same thing as wisdom. Wisdom is the righteous application of knowledge or intelligence. Wisdom is getting your heart and mind aligned with the purpose and the plan of God, with the way God designed you to operate and designed you to live your life. Wisdom, regardless of the knowledge or intelligence that you have, wisdom helps you to make good choices with the information that you possess. And so today I wanna just talk to you about how to regret-proof your life. And I think this is gonna be really helpful for some people, myself included, because again, how many of you wanna stay off the guardrail, right? Like, let's keep, keep it down the middle, right? Not because we're earning God's favor, but because we want to live our life in a healthy way and accomplish what God designed us to accomplish and be who he's called us to be. It says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Somebody say foundation. foundation. You want to start being wise. You want to connect with this. This is where it starts. A holy awe and a reverence, a recognition, an acknowledgement of God. Do you know the difference between God and a narcissist? God doesn't think he's the narcissist. We'll let that one soak in a little bit. Okay. God doesn't have an identity crisis about who he is. And yet we do sometimes, don't we? We, we don't see our life in proper perspective. We need to have a recognition of God. There is a God and I'm not him. There is a God and he gets to say what I'm supposed to do with my body. God gets to say what I'm supposed to do in my relationships. God gets to say what I'm supposed to do in my workplace. Come on, God gets to, he gets to have the final say. Why? Because he's God and I'm not. And if we're confused about this, you're not even gonna start in wisdom. Come on, we gotta get like number one. This is like one right there. No, not one A, not one B, one. No Roman numerals, the number one. It's clear, it's simple. Number one. The fear of the Lord, this is where it starts. If we don't understand, there's a God, I'm not him. He has the right to say, this is the way to go. We're confused about that in our culture, aren't we? Yeah, but you know, pastor, I'm just not feeling it. 
I'm not feeling this ancient God's view of my sexuality. I'm feeling my version of sexuality. You're going to crash into the rails at 75 miles an hour if you follow your feelings. Wisdom starts with fearing God. I don't care if you're homosexual, heterosexual. That doesn't matter. We're all screwed up in our sexuality apart from the, the true, one true God. Come on. This isn't a political thing. This is me talking about us as human beings recognizing there's a God, what he says about my real life, not my fake religious, spiritual, pseudo life that I show people. God cares about what you do at night by yourself on your phone. Come on, guys. God cares, ladies, about the kind of books you're reading. God cares about the relationships, the, the conversations. God cares about what you put in your body or what you don't. God cares about your real life. It's not a fake religion for fake people. It's a real God and a real thing for real people living a real life. Come on. And so wisdom starts with fearing God. Do I recognize there's a God? I'm not him. And that thought right there could change your life. Because what it does is it gets you to begin to think through, okay, if there is a God and I, I want to connect with him, listen to the second part of this verse. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom starts with fearing God, with recognizing God. But knowledge and good, good judgment comes from knowing him. You see, what I'm talking about could easily be misinterpreted to be legalism, to say, man, you got to know there's a God and then don't sin and don't do all this kind of stuff. Well, you and I both know we're powerless not to sin. Where do we get the power to do what I'm talking about? From knowing God, from having a relationship with God. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do with their Christianity or their faith is they turn it into a transactional thing where we put in a religious quarter into the machine and God's supposed to spit something out like some affection or affirmation. Come on. And that's not how it works. God wants to know you. You're supposed to know God. We're supposed to walk together. And when we do that, guess what comes out of that? Good judgment. Why? Because you're so smart? No, because you now know the mind of God because you walk with him. Come on, I want to be like Abraham. It says, and he was called the friend of God. The friend of God. What would it be like to be like, you know, I'm not all great on my own, but check out my buddy. <laughs> See the big guy over here? <laughs> you know, that's my guy, Right? God, when you're his friend, you walk with him. My, my wife and I, Bethany, we, we've been together for, what, 12, 13 years? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's now it's just ambiguous because it's been so long, you know, it's just lost in the ancient past. But we don't have to necessarily communicate verbally. We can see something take place. We can hear a sentence, a phrase, and we just give each other that little look. And I can see the merest hint of a twinkle in her eye, and I know what she's thinking. She's thinking, dang, my husband's fine. That's what she's thinking. <laughs> Actually, she's never thought that before. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking about her. Not dang, my husband's fine, but you know. But you know what I mean? We know something happens. Our kids say something. We look at each other and it's like, oh, you know, we're laughing. We know each other. So what's going on here? It's that our hearts are connected. We've walked together. What happens when you know God? What happens when you walk with God is all of a sudden you just catch the merest glimmer in his eye and you know, that's not the way to go. Come on, somebody. It's not this thing where you become like super spiritual. <laughs> I'm super wise. You have like a Gandalf beard and a staff, long purple robe. No, you're still the same person that you, you always were, but now you know God. You have a, you're tuned in. Come on, you're tuned in to what he wants to go. So this gets better though. Wisdom doesn't just guide you. Wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will protect you. It says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. 
or Cheetos. I mean, that would fit in there as well. Because when I, come on, contextualize this. Seek them like hidden treasures. Cheese it. It's okay. Then you will understand. It's all cheese for me, though. When you understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Whose mouth? His mouth. Whose words you need to tune into? His words. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. And listen to this here. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, what is just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Come on, God wants to show you the right way to go. You know that God isn't like laughing in heaven, like, oh, ha, 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 I'm hoping they figured out what an idiot. They're gonna screw it up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna smite them when they make the wrong decision. That's not the heart of God for your life. God wants to give you all of his treasures. Listen to this, it says, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom, as we talked about last week, if you weren't here, get it on joyeugene.com. But we talked about it's the, the thing that we need to pursue above all else. Why? Because it unlocks everything else. Wisdom will protect you. It'll give you understanding. People that say, I want to know what to do with my life, what job, uh, what person should I be in a relationship with? I need wisdom. I need to know direction. Come on, God wants to give that to you. It's called wisdom and it will protect you. It will guard you. It will help regret proof your life. Wisdom will stop you in that moment from taking the step that's gonna put you in a situation where you're gonna get beat down by sin, by temptation, by brokenness, by choices. Come on. Wisdom will guard you. Wisdom will protect you. And here's the truth right here. God wants to share his heart with you. You see, we think maybe, well, wisdom is kind of like off limits to me. I have to, I have to like really clench my eyes shut to get it. I have to really try. And, and the reality is very different than this. God is not wanting to keep it back from you. He wants to give it to you. All of it right up front. Listen to what, what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Solomon, the king's writing this, and he personifies wisdom as a woman, which is not a mistake. Can I get an amen? Okay. Wisdom shouts in the streets. Let's say wisdom whispers. It says wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How many parents need to add that to your repertoire? How long, you simpletons? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. And listen to this line right here. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I will share my heart with you. Have you ever had somebody that you really respected, that you really, you thought, man, that guy or this lady, it's almost always a lady, but they, they really get life. Like they get it. They understand. They've got contentment. They, they understand how to, how to make money in this business thing. They understand how to raise kids or they, they really get it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And, and maybe that person comes and puts their arm around you and says, look, I wanna, I wanna open up what I know. I wanna give it to you. I wanna mentor you. Isn't that a good feeling? And listen, God wants to do that with wisdom. God is putting his arm around every one of us today saying, hey, come and listen. I'm not hiding. I'm not keeping this away from you. I'm not trying to make this something that, well, if you climb the ladder, you can finally get the good stuff. God puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. Come on, God doesn't hide the cheese. It's up in the pantry where the kids can't get them. God puts them down on the ground floor, right? My kids will climb anything, right? They'll literally construct scaffolding in our house. We can't, we have like a 40 foot tower 
Bears can't get to it, eagles can't get to it, but our kids can get to it, whatever it is that they need to get. But how many of you know God doesn't do that? He's not concealing the good stuff somewhere out of reach. He puts all the good stuff right here. He says, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, God wants to give you everything. When you say, Jesus, I want you in that moment, all the grace and goodness and glory of God comes rushing in like a tidal wave. Come on, somebody. His wisdom, the understanding, everything that God has for you is accessible right now. He's putting his arm around you saying, look, wisdom's not hiding. Wisdom is shouting. Wisdom's like Oprah. You get wisdom. You get wisdom. You get wisdom. Come on, look under your chair. You get this. Come on, somebody. God has everything that that he wants to give us is accessible right now. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. But you know what? There's a big difference between hearing and listening. Isn't there? And if you have kids, you know what I mean? My daughter, I'll be like, clean your room. She's like, glazed over. Clean your room. You you know what I mean? Like, I'm speaking very clearly to you. She hears me, not listening. Come on. Guys watching football, right? Hey, hon, you want to with the kids? Uh-huh. We're going to put the kids in a, a, a two-year boarding school. Uh-huh, sure, babe. <laughs> right? You can hear. Your ears can work, but it but doesn't necessarily mean that your brain and your heart is connecting with the information. Come on, major pain saying, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? We're like, we hear, but we're not listening. And you know, when God speaks to us right now, you're hearing me. I'm this big mouth, loud Italian guy right here speaking to you. You hear my voice. Doesn't mean you're listening. I hope you are. I hope I am. I hope that I get into the word of God that I don't just hear and not listen. But there's a huge difference. There's this wide gap between hearing something and listening. Listening goes way beyond the fact that you perceived sound waves and turned them into words that you can understand. Listening is about saying that's right, and I'm going to bring that down into a deeper place and do something about it. Come on. Wisdom is not trying to hide from us. Wisdom is shouting on the street corner. And this is interesting because we live in a culture where we have all of the information and wisdom really at our fingertips at any moment. Because you can literally type in Google and ask questions and get knowledge and all this kind of stuff. Wisdom is available to every one of us, but the problem is that we've become, com- become consumers of religious content. Meaning we go to church and we get sermons and we go, man, that was good information. And we file it away. We get on YouTube and we're like, what's Stephen Furtick talking about? And Rich Wilkerson and John Gray? And, and what's Chad Veach doing? And well, let me look at this Instagram. And let's get Christian content and I'll fill up, I'll build my library. And we've got this giant library of information and God's saying, hey, you're, 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 you're hearing, but you're not listening. The information is now in your brain, but God wants to get it to go a little bit deeper. Come on, somebody. To to go from the head down to the heart and to sink from your heart into your hands, into your feet, where your life begins to change. So how do we do this? How do we really listen to wisdom? I want to give you two practical things today, and then we'll go eat something delicious. Amen. Number one, how do we listen to wisdom? The first and most important way is through the word of God. God's word. It's funny because so many Christians are like, man, I want to hear God's voice. I want him to guide me. I want him to show me the way to go. 
And then they're like, yeah, I went up on this mountain and I was praying and then I like, I, uh, this bird flew by and then there was a wind and so I put it together and I was like, the bird wind, I'm supposed to be a bird watcher in the wind. <laughs> There's grass right here. I'm you know what I mean? What are we doing here? We're like, this is, you might as well have a crystal ball. Ooh, you know, like we're trying to, we're turning something very, very practical into something very mystical. Now, listen, I go and I sit on a mountain and I listen to the wind and the birds and I hear the voice of God. But do you know why I can actually hear and discern the voice of God? Because I have God's word, the written word, the scriptures, the Bible on the inside of me. So I know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Come on, do you discern the voice of God? Wisdom is again, getting into alignment. This is what God is doing, what God is speaking. And when you hear his voice, you resonate. It's like a tuning fork. You ever seen one of those? Boom. So many people are like, and they can't discern what God's doing. They're like, yeah, I've been married for 10 years, but I was thinking about splitting from my wife and my two kids. And even though I made these vows that were till death do us part, I want to shack up with Susie Q. So we're doing that. And then I'm going to start this new thing. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Bing. You're not in alignment. You have no wisdom. You don't resonate with God's heart. Because if you resonated with God's heart, you would say, man, that desire to leave your wife and go shack up with somebody else is going to destroy you, destroy her, destroy your kids and wreck you. Amen. This preacher's angry. No, I'm not. I'm not angry. I love you guys. And God loves all of us. We all make decisions like this. Come on, I've ran my life into the rails. How do you get in that resonance with God? You get into his word. It says in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I don't know what to do, pastor. How much of God's word do you have on the inside of you? Because I find that people that will spend time walking the paths of the word will actually have a better time walking the paths of the world. Come on, when you get into the word of God and it begins to illuminate you and it changes how you think, do you know that your thinking is broken? It's one of the most profound effects of the fall of man is that what we think is right and good is busted and broken. And God's like, come on, guys, I'm going to upgrade the software here. And the word of God comes in and says, look, it's a mirror that we look into and it shows us how it talks about this in Timothy. It shows us where we've kind of gotten off, not to, not to condemn us, but to convict us in a transformational change that God has for us. So we can be who God's called us to be and do what God's called us to do. So I want to encourage you to get into the word of God. Amen. Get into the word of God. Number two, how do we listen to wisdom? The second way is through godly counsel. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. How many of you like easy, easy to understand things like this? This is like that Staples big red easy button. Bonk. You know what I mean? It's easy. Walk with the wise. Bonk. And what? Become wise. Bonk. Easy. Walk with the wise. Bonk. And what? Become wise. Bonk. Come on. Anybody having a hard time understanding this? Do you know what it means in, in Hebrew, how original language? Walk with the wise and become wise. If you surround yourself with wise people, people that are leveled up from where you are, come on, they're gonna help you upgrade your thinking, upgrade your choices, upgrade your life. Here's the thing that we do sometimes though, is we get, I'm putting this down, we get all busted because we hang out with the same people that think in the same screwed up, messed up way that we think. And we think, hey,
Yes, thank you, Kyle. We hang out with the same busted up people that make the same dumb decisions like we make. And then we're like, okay, you gave me the bad advice again. Yeah, because we all think the same. Come on, you got to get around people that will help you level up. I remember there was a, a young guy that I was coaching and mentoring, and I loved him. His name was Scott. He's a great guy. And uh, I was working with Scott. He was about 15, 16 years old, didn't have a job, played video games all day, always had nasty, greasy, bleach blonde hair, never taken a shower. I mean, like, he needed to level up. You know what I mean? Not for me, but for him, right? And he comes to me. He's like, hey, Jake, I was thinking um, I need to get this sleeve tattoo, and it's going to have these symbols, and it's going to be uh, anti-cancer. I'm like, Scott, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And you're like, what a jerk, Jake, what a jerk. No, here's the thing. He didn't have a job. He wanted to spend 500 bucks on a tattoo that is opposing something that everyone is already against. Is anybody in here pro-cancer? It has its own benefits. No, it doesn't. Like, nobody's for it. So wh who are you helping with this movement? You know what I mean? Like, nobody's, we're not, nobody's like, well, we're the, we're pro-cancer. And you're like, I'm anti-cancer, bro. Anti against. No, right? And so I'm like, Scott, this isn't going to help you right now, man. Like, this is not the, the, for you, like, why don't you get a job? And then if you want to get a tattoo, like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with getting a tattoo, but it's unwise in this moment for you to, to do this right now. You need to think about your life and your future and all this kind of stuff. And here's the thing. Here's what I want to make the point. Who do you have in your life that loves you enough to look you straight in the eye and say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And you're like, oh. did you know that the love of God, when you read the word, sometimes I read the Bible and, it, and, and the Bible is just looking at me like, Jake, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm like, dang it, you're right, you're right. But you know what? Love will stop you from slamming yourself into the wall. But here's the thing. We live in this culture where we're just like, no, affirm me and tell me that anything I want to do because my feelings told me to do it is good and I must be a genius. I need an A plus and a gold star. Anybody? And I live here too, guys. I don't like when people tell me, I don't like it. When somebody's like, Jake, that's stupid. But I appreciate it. I surround myself with people that are wise, that are godly, that level, that help me to level my life up. Why? Because I want to be who God's called me to be. Did you know the problem here is not that you're bad or that you're stupid. It's that you don't know who you really are. The real problem is that you don't see yourself as a son or a daughter of the king of kings. Come on, you don't see yourself as a son or a daughter of God who's infused with purpose and hope and life and was made on purpose and for a purpose. You've bought into the lie of culture that says you're slime plus time plus chance, that you're somebody's accident in the backseat of a car, and you see yourself as worthless and broken. And so then when somebody comes to you and challenges you, you feel all insecure because you don't see who you really are. But if you knew that you were a champion and that God had a destiny for you and that there was something really important in store for you, right at the edge of your fingertips that God wanted to call you off the sidelines and into the game to make a difference in the world around you, then you would say, bring it on. Challenge me. Come on, come at me, bro, because I want to be who God's called me to be. You put this mic in my hand, I turn into a preacher. You know what I mean? So. Who in your life? Now listen, this doesn't have to be like a confusing question. Who's in my life? Because at Joy Church, we have a perfect environment to find godly counsel. It's called joy groups. How many of you are in joy groups? You're like, woo! 
Now, listen, do you know joy groups aren't like the most fun thing you'd ever do in your life? Joy groups aren't like a Mediterranean vacation. Churches are like, come to small groups and your entire life will be turned upside down. Actually, it might be mediocre sometimes. So don't go to joy group because you're a consumer and you're looking for a consumer experience to make you feel better. Go to joy group because you want to get around other real Christians who are walking this walk with Jesus and be able to come around and in authenticity support, encourage, and challenge one another to grow. Come on. You say, well, uh, you know, this other church, they have better groups, or this other church, well, that's great. I'm sure they do. But that's not what we're here to do. We're not here just to be a community of consumers. We're here to be a community of contributors who are receiving from Jesus his grace, his gospel, his glory, and we're reflecting it back out into the world. So you want to walk with the wise. We're starting an eight-week campaign next Sunday, the 23rd of September, in joy groups. And we're doing this on purpose. It's just eight weeks so that if you have not been in a joy group or you're like, oh, I've been on the fence or whatever, then all you have to commit to is eight weeks. And listen, if you go for eight weeks to group and you're like, that sucked, then don't go back. Come on. But what if in that moment God was able to speak to you? Were you able to grow? What if getting yourself into Christian community and actually intentionally getting a little bit uncomfortable to leave your routine? Come on, somebody. Give up an hour on a Tuesday night? My goodness. Yeah, what if you like didn't binge watch the whole season, but you just did like a half and then you went to group? I mean, like, you, you know, your, your head wouldn't fall off. It would be okay. What, what if God, though, could get you in that moment and atmosphere and actually cause some growth? What if you could connect with wise people? God wants to give you his heart. God wants to put his arm around you and say, come on, walk with me. Let me show you how to go. And one of the most powerful ways we do that is by living in community. Because everybody's an expert on your own opinion, right? I don't know how to challenge myself. I can't rub my own rough edges off. I can't annoy myself, right? It takes community to actually walk out this Christian walk. So I want to encourage every one of you, to get plugged into a joy group. You can jump out. Well, you don't have to jump. You can just walk out there. But at the next table, you can walk uh, out to the next table and you can sign up and say, hey, help me find a group to be a part of. And I want to encourage everybody to do this for the next eight weeks. It's going to be really, really, really good. We have it all planned out. It's going to be awesome. Really excited about it. Get into a group. God's word, godly counsel will help us regret-proof our life. You walk with the wise, you're going to be wise. You associate with fools. Put that verse back up, will you, please, Rachel? I forgot it already. Nope, not that one. The walk with the wise. I want to see that second part real quick. Yep. Associate with fools and what? Get in trouble. Come on, God wants you to upgrade your relationships. And I'm not talking about leaving all your old friends, whatever. I'm saying, no, get around people that will speak into you, that will help you.